0: There are millions of people groups around the world that have yet to hear the gospel. That's right. They've never even heard the name of Jesus mentioned. They're living in a darkness and don't know anything about the hope and love and the finished work we have in Christ Jesus. But it doesn't have to be that way. Matthew 28, 18 through 20 tells us, All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. Today, Pastor Banks starts a series that will help us reach these people groups and change their lives forever. All it takes is a willingness to learn and get started. So let's go as he shows us how easy it is to make a difference in the world through Missions Doable.
1: Good morning, good morning. (laughs) Hallelujah. Praise God. Again, I want to welcome everyone this morning, those of you in the sanctuary and those watching online, to Global Outreach Church. And uh, we thank God because our vision here is to build a Jesus community and to serve our world. And so you are most welcome. We thank God for you. And we pray that something that that God is going to say this morning will change our lives and establish us for good in Jesus' name. Amen. So once again, you are welcome. Glory to God. Give yourself a hand clap. Clap for yourselves in the house. Amen. Glory to God. Amen. First off, before I get into the message this morning, I want to thank God for all of our workers, children's workers who worked so hard to make last Sunday's fun Day a success for our children. We thank God for you, we bless God for you, and we pray that your labor of love shall not be in vain in Jesus' name. As you have ministered to this God's people, God will minister back to you. Thank you very much, and we need to do many more of those in the future, and we just thank God for the opportunity. Praise God. Amen. Amen. And yes, this morning as well, I have uh, a very, very special f- guest and friend in the house, I'm so delighted this morning to see them. And uh, I'm speaking of none other than my friend, our friend, Pastor Gochin and his wife Carmen, both of them in your house. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) Actually, actually, you know what, both of them just come up on the platform here with me for a minute. You know, the Bible says, yeah, come up, come up. The Bible says, and you too, Carmen. Yeah, you yeah, yeah. This is Carmen's first rodeo to the United States of America. (laughs) Amen, amen. You know, the Bible says one can chase a thousand, but two can chase 10,000, amen? So we thank God, we thank God for you, my friend. Thank you. For those of you who do not know, he's been here before. He ministered to us here a few years back. Yes, okay, 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 all right, all right, all right. (laughs) Just wanna make sure you get it all right, amen. Uh, I really just so thank God for them because when we began to think about Southeast Asia, when we, de- we had no one, no contact, we didn't know what to do, I called him up and he met me in Bangkok and together we put a plan in place for what we're doing now. And so, to, I mean, this, this guy, he doesn't like to say it, but really is a true apostle. And i tell you why. Yeah, right because he pastored a church in Yangon for a while, and then as God was dealing with his heart and giving him greater or more responsibilities, he brought in an executive pastor who pastored the church while he remained plugged into the church, sit down and watch the mind develop, amen? So my friend, I salute you. Is a great servant leader. Servant leader. I hope. I hope my time has not started yet. My time. Is, this is just. This is preliminary. <laughs> this, this. is is so preliminary. So really, Carmen is good to have you here. Thank you so much for coming. And so you want to just get us and what? What's going on? What's going on in uh, in Miami? Just you have five minutes before the microphone blow away, blow up. So right. yes. <laughs> well,
2: thank you so very much for the introduction, Pastor Bank. Yes. And Pastor Sharon, thank you so much. Yeah, it's a wonderful. For me to be here again in here and to get out my wife. So it is wonderful. <laughs> and uh, I also want to thank you, Pastor Paul. Yes. Pastor Paul is a uh, pastor of Christ Mission Church in Atlanta. Yeah, a busy pastor, but uh, I asked him, that my, I am going to my good friend, and that I will go. I'll go to, if he's your good friend, I'll go with you. <laughs> ah, wonderful. <laughs> and uh as you all know that we, we work in myanmar in burma and uh but uh mainly among the buddhist people and god give us a passion to share the gospel and the love uh, the love of god and hope for these people but in recent years um, we are doing a lot among the unreached people group but um, because of the recent happening after covid 19 during the covid 19 a lot a lot of pastor uh, passed away And uh, at least 200 pastors that I know. That is, yeah, including one of my brothers. And at the moment, we are doing all we do with technology, which is sometimes my heart is not technology thing, my heart is in person. So, (laughs) very, very difficult for me. And I I tell you, it is very hard. Pastor Ben can tell you that. And then, uh, but. Uh, because of the COVID and also because of the military coup in Myanmar. And uh, it is not really possible for us to go back to Myanmar. But our heart is still the Myanmar people. So what we are going to do is from uh, America, we will go back to not to Hong Kong, where my wife come from, but to Thailand. And then to work there, first thing is we have to learn the language. After, I'm 50 years old, which is many months ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's very difficult to learn the language. And uh, my hair is already growing, uh, glory hair. and uh, So it is very difficult, but uh, we want to ch- take this challenge. And uh, so please pray for us as we learn the language. We also want to work among the farming community in Ope Myanmar, in Thailand. They work for the Thai people and uh, consider as a lower class, but uh, we found that we need to share the hope of God to these people. So please pray for us, commission us in your prayer. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, good best, yeah. Huh? yeah, thank you. Thank you very much. Amen. So let's, let's just pray for them right now. Let's just pray for them, like, right now. Father, in Jesus' name, we want to thank you for this incredible privilege that Pastor Chin has to go to Thailand and to target the unrich People Group of Myanmar in Thailand. As a sending church, we collectively receive your grace, your anointing to release them into this new assignment. And we pray, God, that as they go, you are not only going to be with them, but God, you will make a way for them, that you will grant them favor, that you will lead them and guide them as you did in times past, and you are yet doing now. God, in the name of Jesus, that your word will prosper in their mouth, and that by the power of the Holy Spirit, they will bring many souls to glory, to the glory of your name. Thank you, Father God, that those things that are not clear to them now will become clearer because the power of your Holy Spirit will lead them and guide them and help them. We receive resources for them right now as they relocate. They live in Miami. They live in Hong Kong to a new place in Bangkok, Thailand. And so Father God, all the resources they will need in order to settle and to establish what we receive in their behalf right now in the name of Jesus. You are the God that owns all the silver and all the gold. You are the God that's, uh, that owns the cactus on a thousand hills. Nothing is too much for you. And so, Lord God, in Jesus' name, we receive that favor for prosperity, favor for their needs being met right now. And we thank you for it, Lord. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Praise God. Thank you. Thank you so much. So, God, so this morning, rather, I'm going to begin a new series of teaching. And it's so timely when I when we announced this teaching, when we planned this teaching, we did not know that Pastor Chi was was going to be here. And it's just so amazing how God does things and puts things together and things just harmonize and there's, uh, there, there's, there's, there's uh, uh, you know, a, a coming and aligning of things in the realm of the Spirit. And so as God has arranged it in the Spirit, I'm praying and believing that God will open our hearts that we're able to receive what God has for us. So again, as, as, as it was said in the pre-service, the theme for this whole time will be missions doable, Christ in you the hope of glory. Missions doable, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And I'm trusting that this message will be what I call a consequential message. Consequential in the sense that no, there are times we hear messages, we enjoy them, we like them, we say, oh man, I was blessed, I was blessed, I was blessed, I was blessed. But the point is, what do we do with the blessing? So this message, I'm hoping, will galvanize us into action, that this message will help us to redefine and recover the purpose and the reason for our existence. Hallelujah. So that we can recognize, yes, God is a good God, he's a good father, and he is all of that. But not only has he brought us into his kingdom, just for us to be blessed and established, there is something God is also looking for. Amen. Amen? So this morning, let me go very quickly to Luke chapter 19, verse 10, Luke 19, 10, and I'm going to read and, okay, so let me begin from verse 9. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house, because he also is the son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Now Jesus is speaking here, the context is, Jesus is speaking in the house of uh, Zacchaeus. He's speaking in the house of Zacchaeus, and it's very interesting what he said in that verse 10. He said he came to seek and to save that, not him or her. Now, of course, we know Jesus came to save us, so that's not even a question. But the point I want to make this morning is, before I get into the real meat of this message, I want to establish, I want to help us understand the purpose for our existence. It was the blessed Miles Monroe that said, whenever a purpose is not clearly defined, that abuse is inevitable. Whenever a purpose is not clearly defined, abuse is inevitable. So here Jesus says, he came to seek and to save that which was lost. What is that? Purpose. Purpose. Whenever God saves a man, it just does not save the man, he also recovers the purpose for the man's salvation. Yes. And if we don't understand and grasp that, we will just live through life, not really, really making an impact. Jesus said in t- John 10 10 that the thief comes not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He said, But I've come to give you life and to give to you more abundantly. Abundant living is not just talking about my car, my house, my wife, my husband, my children, my great retirement benefits and all of those wonderful things, and those things are good. They are good. But abundant living is more than what I can get, it's also the essence and the quality of my living. And the quality of living is not just about me, about what I can do for me. The quality of living also also addresses how much I'm doing or I'm responding to the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. In Acts chapter 9, verse 15. Let me just establish a few things here. Acts 9:15. Hallelujah. Technology is not cooperating this morning, but we're going to move on without it. Acts 9:15. This is regarding Apostle Paul, but the Lord said to him, go, for it's a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. Clearly here you see, we see in the scriptures how God saved Paul. But God just didn't save him, as in just saving him. He said, I've chosen him. There's a reason, there's a purpose for me calling him, is to bear my name before the Gentiles, before kings, and before Israel. And when you read throughout the rest of the book of Apostles, Acts of Apostles, you see Paul living out that purpose. Amen. It was chosen just as you and I have been chosen. First Peter 2, 9 says, we are a chosen generation. We are a royal priesthood. We are a peculiar people. It's a holy nation, he says. Why? That we may bring forth the praises of him that has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. So just as Paul was chosen for a purpose and we see how he carried that purpose out, you and I have also been chosen for a purpose. And I want to submit to you this morning, that purpose is bigger than your car. That purpose is bigger than your house. In fact, our purpose is bigger than the things that you and I, we we, we take so seriously. No, it's bigger than that. God's picture is way bigger than the little picture we see. And I want to help us this morning to really clearly understand the mind and heart of God. So now I'm gonna go to my chart. I call this chart the four chapters of life. Actually, we could call it four phases of life or four seasons of life or four steps of life. Here is the chart. Now, these four chapters of life help us understand God's full scope for man's for for, for, for God's full scope of God's full plan for mankind. These four, these four chapters or four phases or four seasons or four steps. You can name it anything you want to but there are four boxes there. First box with the two human beings is the box I call the creation box. What does that mean? At creation, God made mankind in his likeness and he empowers mankind to partner with him in creating cultures and building civilizations. This is huge. And you're going to see in a minute why this is so huge, because if I was to come to you or if you are to come to me or if you are to go to your friend and start sharing about salvation or the plan of God for redemption, many times we do not start from the right box. At creation, God created mankind in his own image and likeness and empowered that mankind for a purpose. Huge, you must understand that. You are not here by accident. God fearfully and wonderfully made and created you for a divine purpose. Hallelujah. And God helped me and you to live beneath or less than the divine purpose for which God created us. But many times, because we do not know, we we just meander through life, not recognizing we are created for a purpose. And so the second box shows how sin separated man from God when Adam fell. Please pay attention. This, 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 this illustration is very powerful. It speaks volumes. Sin separated, notice what I said. I did not say that sin separated God from man. There is no sin big enough to separate God from man. You must understand that. They, they, I, I don't have time to go into all of that. But sin can separate man from God. And that's what happened here at the Garden. Sin separated man from God. And so what happened? As a result of that separation, man lost the divine nature, the ability of God to fulfill the purpose for which it was created. So because of sin, Circle number two, because of sin, we are now estranged from purpose. Not only did man become lost, as in lost, lost, but we became estranged from the purpose for which God originally created us. So how is God going to fix that? How is God going to remedy that? Box number three, redemption. Jesus came, not only just to save us, and indeed he came to save us, but he also came to help me and you recover the lost purpose, huge, because the purpose for which me and you were created can only be fulfilled by God's divine nature. If you don't have the God divine nature in you, you cannot do the God kind of purpose. So when Jesus saved us, he reconnected us back to God and back to purpose. (laughs) So the cross, hallelujah, was a double wham. Save your soul and at the same time put you in a position to now live out your original purpose. So. Given that fact, which box should we be living in? Box number four, the yellow box. Why? Because it's in the, the yellow box is the restoration box. This is where mankind lives in anticipation of Jesus' return and of the coming new age. I'm going to ask a question, don't answer, I'm not asking you, I'm asking the air. When was the last time you thought of Jesus' return? We don't think about it because we are not living in that box. Hardly does anybody think, oh, Jesus, come now, Lord Jesus. No. We think about the new car, the new wife, the new husband, the new children, the new promotion, the new, uh, and those things are fine. Please, I'm I'm not saying those things are not good, but I'm saying to you as a Christian, you don't belong here. <laughs> You're a pilgrimage, and at some point, we need to arrive at our destination. Amen. And our eyes should be focused on the goal and the objectivity of the reason for which God created us. So, restoration box, that yellow box, says mankind is living in anticipation of Jesus' return and the coming of the new age. Now, let me tell you where we ask. As a church. When I say as a church, I'm not talking about global outreach. I'm talking about the church globally. So instead of the church helping us to understand the four phases of life or the four chapters of life or the four steps of life, the church has truncated that four phases to only two. Only two phases. Give me the second slide, please. Thank you. Right there. When we meet a person that's an unbeliever, not born again, what's the first thing we said? You are a sinner because Adam died, because Adam sinned. Point number two. We start from chapter two. How can you understand a book when you don't read chapter one and you just go to chapter two? We say, "Well, you're you are an unbeliever. You're you you a sinner. You're going to go die and go to hell." You know why? Because Adam sinned, and therefore, because Adam sinned, Jesus came. No, of course, that is true, but incomplete. Adam sinned, Jesus came. It's true, but it's totally inadequate and incomplete. Because as long as you look at the gospel from those two faces, number one, it focuses on mankind being separated from God, which is true. It presents Jesus as Savior to reconnect mankind to God. That is also true. But this is the problem. This is the problem. It begins and ends on earth with salvation. As the final destination. As long as you live in these two boxes, it begins and ends on the earth. And then our salvation or redemption becomes the final destination. That's why many Christians are packed. Packed on church pews, packed at work, packed at home not moving, never getting a sense of responsibility for the great cost that was paid in order to save us. Because we see our salvation as a hellfire insurance. I'm saved so I will not burn in hell, that's insurance. It's more than, salvation is more than that. It's much more than that. We need to understand that. We need to understand the mind and purpose of God because if we don't get that, we will never be fully able to live out God's plan. So the two chapters, as is commonly preached and taught, focuses on salvation as a destination, thus making mankind's need, the focus and not God's complete plan for his creation. So these two boxes is why we only preach and teach about us. How do I get well? How do I prosper? How do I have a good family? I, 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 me, 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 me. God is a sidekick. Never thinking of his own purpose. Why did he invest Jesus to come? Why? Let's move on. So we are gonna be focusing on God's purpose beyond redemption. Give me slide number two, number one now, please. We're gonna be focusing now Next one, we're going to be focusing on God's plan beyond redemption. And here, we, here it is. In Matthew 28, 18 and 20, Jesus spoke clearly. All authority has been given unto me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. I submit to you those were Jesus' last words, and his last words are lasting words. Ah, I just had the privilege, my brother and I, my family, uh, my wife here today, to bury our parents this last January. My father was 99, my mother was 90. They died two days apart. And we buried them same day, January 28th, I think, something like that. But leading up to the burial, we ran into some problems because my father was a local chief in his village. Those villagers insisted we must bring him back to the village for burial. They said to us, it may have been your father, but it's our chief. And therefore, no matter what you're saying, you can speak your grammar. you can live in America, live in Las Vegas, live wherever you want to live, our son is coming home. The only thing we held on to was my father's last words. When we engaged them and talked with them, back and forth, I said, I I asked the guy, I asked the, the man that's talking to him, I said, man, sir, you have children? He said, yes. I said, sir, if you were to pass, would you want your children to disown and disregard your last wishes? They never answer that question. We will talk, 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 talk. They bring all kinds of hypotheses, different things, and I will only answer with one phrase: If you gave your children your last instruction, sir, would you encourage anyone to violate it? And they just, they just pivot to another thing. They never go answer. I'm saying that to say, and by the way, we held and we buried my parents according to their wishes. We did not bend. Why? Because last words are lasting words. Last words are lasting. Even to the convict that's about to face a death penalty, they will ask him, Do you have any last words? Last words are lasting words. And Jesus before he ascended into heaven, he gave his last words. All authority has to be given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore, on the strength of that, he says. Now, with God, it's amazing that not only is, uh, did he give us these last words, in examining scripture, you can go to the next slide, in examining scriptures, I discovered that in God's case, his last words were also his first words, (laughs) God was consistent on what he wanted to do. He just did not find the last words and say go ye therefore, no, from the very beginning, Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, clearly showing us right there and there from the very first verse of scriptures that his emphasis was not just heaven, was not just USA, was not just Canada was not just Africa. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. From from get-go, as they were say in Georgia, his scope was global. From verse 1, Genesis 1-1, very first verse of scriptures, and then we go from there to Genesis chapter 12. The Bible talks about how in Genesis 12, 1, 2, 3 he told Abraham to leave his country, his family, and his kindred, and go to a land that I will show you. And in verses 2 and 3, God made a set of promises to Abraham. Number one, I'll make your name great. Number two, I'll make of you a great nation. Number three, I will bless you. Number four, I'll bless them that bless you. And lastly, I will curse him that curses you. So we see, even in dealing with Abraham, God was clear about his mission. Oh, but this is what I like about this God. He just did not give Abraham a mission. He empowered him. With the ability and resources to fulfill it. Yes. Watch that verses two and three again. I will make you a great nation. I will make your name great. I will bless you. God made three, He made three serious promises before He started talking about what Abraham was to do. Then he goes on to say, I will bless them that bless you. And then lastly he says. then he says, I will cause them, and in you, all the families of the earth shall be saved. All the families of the earth. So God gave him five promises of things he could not do on his own. Now, there's a reason I'm I'm emphasizing this. Five things that Abraham could not accomplish on his own, God put those on the table. Then he says, okay, as a result of these five things now, in you and through your seed, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Very important to take note of that. Let me just read one scripture, Psalms 115 verse 16, because of time. Psalms 115 verse 16 in the Passion Translation. Let me read that very quickly. Thank you. The heavens belong to the Lord our God. They are His alone. But look at the next sentence. But He has given us the earth. And put us in charge. Who's in charge of the earth today? oh you guys are not sounding confident. Is Joe Biden in charge of the earth in the United States? Of course, it's not. Of course, it's not. I don't know who's prime minister in England now. They, they're going through a change. I don't know who's is, is a vacant vacant position. Maybe one of you guys can apply to become prime minister of, of the United Kingdom. But what I'm saying is, these men and women sit in positions of authority. But they're not in charge. We, the church, when we understand our responsibility and the authority we carry of the Christ in me, the hope of glory, we, we, we start seeing things happen. Amen? Amen? Now, let's go to Colossians chapter 1 verse 27. We see that God's last words were also his first words. Galatians, uh, Colossians chapter 1 verse 27, thank you. To them, willed, to them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. And in Galatians 2.20, Galatians 2.20 simply says, I'm crucified with Christ. Galatians not Colossians Galatians 220 crucified with Christ nevertheless I live yet not I and the life which I now live I live by the faith of the son of god who loved me and gave himself for me okay I have been crucified with Christ it is no longer I who live but Christ lives in me so we see a correlation between Galatians uh, 220 and Colossians 1:27 in both places Paul is saying Christ lives in me I do not think we understand fully what that means. We don't. Because if we do, it, it will change us radically. So what the point am I making here? Remember Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 and 3, God said to Abraham, I will make of a great nation. I will make your name great. I will bless you. Who's doing the work? Who's doing all the work? God. I will bless them that bless you, who is in the work? God. I will curse them that curse who is in the work? God. Ha! Ah, thank you, you're good students. <laughs> then we fast forward to the New Testament, under the covenant of grace. And Paul now tells me and you, Christ in me, the hope of glory. So how am I going to do what God said to Abraham? How am I going to be a great nation? I'm going to make my name great. How will I get blessed? How will I bless them that bless me? And how would all of that happen? Paul told us, Christ in me. For Abraham, it was God externally influencing him. It was God externally directing him, showing him what to do. But for me, and Judah Cloud has moved inwards. He has taken up residence inside of us now. Is the Christ in me, inside of me now, that's the hope of glory humongous change incredible change there are two kinds of people that are on the face of this earth right now as a believer two kinds there are those of the babel mentality okay you guys are looking at me like what what did they just say i know what i said babel what happened to babel in genesis 11. let's go read it the reason the task of reaching the world has been so difficult for us is because many of us are still operating in a Babel mentality. Genesis 11 verse 1. Now the whole earth had one language and one speech. And it came to pass that they journeyed from the east, that they found a plain in the land of China and dwelt there. Then they said to one another, come, Let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. Oh, I don't know if we caught it yet. They had brick for stone and they had asphalt for mortar. And they said, come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower whose top is is in the heavens. Let us make a name for ourselves. Do you understand what these guys were trying to accomplish on their own, in their own self effort? by their own performance, what they were trying to do out of their own self-sufficiency, let us, let us, let us. Since when? Since when would you be able to make yourself yourself great? Since when would you be able to build a a, a, a city that will reach heaven? Since when? Everything they had tried to accomplish on their own was what God promised to do for Abraham. primacy, provision, protection. Everything they were uh, aspiring to accomplish. God said, Abraham, you don't have to be like them, I will do it for you, I will make you a great nation, I will make your name, you're not asking for it, Abraham, I am the one that's initiating it, I'll make your name, is Abraham's name great? Yes. Yes. Over 6,000 years, we're still talking about him, absolutely. So we see here, clearly, Christ in me, the hope of glory. This is God's way now of getting done what he tried to accomplish in the Old Testament. This is the New Testament parallel of I'll make you a great nation. I'll make your name great. I'll bless you. I'll bless them that bless you and curse those who curse you. And in you shall all the families of the earth be blessed. It is all God's doing. That's the reason for which, that's the reason for which you and I must clearly understand the message or, the, or what God meant by Christ in you. The hope of glory. Christ in me, the hope of glory, is not just about me. Of course, I benefit from that. There's no way. Christ in me, of course. If if Jesus is in me, walking in and through me, he's going to live some things for me that's going to bless me. But we must be conscious of the fact that there's much more that God wants to do. So very quickly, let me just touch on the Christ in you, the hope of glory. What does that mean? Number one, it means that you are never alone. Never alone, no matter what, you are never alone at your lowest moment when you feel isolated, when you feel abandoned, when you feel alone. You, like David, can say, The Lord is at my right hand, therefore I will not be shaken. You are not alone. How do I know that? Because Christ is in me. He has taken up residence inside of me and you now. You're not alone. Number two, you must understand that Christ knows directly all that you face, feel of fear. This is not just news you're bringing to it him. It's in you. He sees your fear. He sees what you he feels them approaching. Because he's in you, presently alive. He's there. Amen. Christ has a real-time awareness of every trial and every temptation you face. Number three, the Spirit of God is actively at work in your soul. Actively. Whether you recognize or acknowledge it or not, the Spirit of God is actively. That's what Philippians 2.13 tells us that God is at work in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. And next one, and this is where I'm dovetailing into this message about missions doable, not only are you not alone, not only is Jesus aware directly in real time of what you're facing. Not only is the Spirit of God actively at work in you, number four, and you need to remember this, you are wired to be a blessing no matter your condition. Amen. Amen. I'm, I'm going to let, let there be a moment on that. You are wired already, present tense, to be a blessing no matter what your condition is. No matter what your state is, no matter how inadequate you feel, no matter how you say oh man, I don't have the means, you don't understand because I want to take you to some scriptures. Let's look at Genesis chapter 20, I'm about to wrap it up now, if you just add my five minutes of introduction back to my clock, God bless you and then you'll be blessed. Genesis chapter 20. (laughs) Oh, this is too good. Verses 1 through 7. Thank you, Pierre. God bless you, my friend. You get a special heap of blessings. (laughs) Genesis 20 verse 1. And Abraham journeyed from there to the south and dwelt between Kadesh and Shaw and stayed in Gerar. Now Abraham said of Sarah, his wife, she's my sister, Now Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent and took Sarah but God came to Abraham in, in a dream by night and said to him, indeed you are a dead man because of the woman whom you have taken for she is a man's wife. Traditionalists we say Abraham because he lied, he should die. Traditionalists, traditional Christianity will say Abraham lied of. So because he lied, God's grace is removed. Are you kidding me? You don't know who you are, that's your problem. Now, I'm not encouraging you to lie. But I'm saying that your behavior does not change your identity. He doesn't. God warmed him and said, you are a dead man. Verse 4, but Abimelech had not come near her and he said, Lord, will you slay a righteous nation also? Did he not say to me, she is my sister? And she, even, she herself said, she is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and the innocence of my hands, I have done this. And God said to him in a dream, yes, I know that you did this in the integrity of your heart. For I also withheld you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not let you touch her. Now, look at verse 7. Now, therefore, restore the man's wife, for he is what? A prophet, and he will pray for you, and you shall live. Abraham, in a vulnerable condition, as many of us are from time to time. God set it up where, even though he was vulnerable, he had even told a lie which he shouldn't have done. God said, the man is a prophet. He carries a blessing in his mouth. Do you know what you're carrying in your mouth? Do you understand that because the Christ in you is the hope of glory, the hope of glory of Christ that's in you puts a something in your mouth. When you open your mouth, things begin to happen. Do you understand that? You don't. Therefore, you don't see execution. We don't see manifestation because we don't know who we are. We're trying to judge ourselves on the basis of what we see and feel and think and smell and taste. No! The Christ in you, the hope of glory. Verse 17, that same chapter. Verse 17. So, Abraham prayed to God, and God healed Abimelech, his wife, and his female servants. Then they bore children. Come on! Do you understand how much blessing you are carrying as you are sitting here watching me right now? Abimelech was waiting for Abraham to come and pray because Abraham carried the blessing. Now, Abraham is not bigger than you today. You and I have much more than Abraham had because Abraham saw Jesus afar, but you have Jesus inside of you. Go to Genesis 47, Genesis 47, it's going to get much, much clearer, Genesis 47, verse 7, then Joseph brought in his father Jacob, and set him before Pharaoh, and Jacob blessed Pharaoh, are you kidding me, I I don't think you guys understand what's happening here, In a time of famine, when Jacob was impoverished, when he could not hold a candle to Pharaoh politically, financially, or militarily, yet this man of God, the patriarch, walked before the Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, the most powerful man on the face of the earth at that time, and he blessed him. He said, what? How can a poor man bless a rich man? If you came in the room with Elon Musk, would you have the confidence to bless him? <laughs> if Jeff Bezos came in here now, would you be looking at what's in your back and can of say, ah, Jeff Bezos, <laughs> the man that has all this yacht and all this thing, how can, what can I? You, If you're thinking like that, you don't know who you are. You don't know who you are. Jacob! who was clearly vulnerable, famined, um, and all the negative things in his life happening, but he recognized his identity. Mm-hmm. He came before Pharaoh and blessed him, not just once, because in verse 10 of the same chapter, we read, it, we read of it again. So Jacob blessed, Pharaoh twice, twice, Jacob blessed Pharaoh and went out from before Pharaoh. I can, I can see the swagger in his, in his steps. I just bless you, king. Yeah, I got it, man. What what are you talking about? Without me, you're not gonna exist. If I I call heaven, (laughs) Egypt will disappear. It's true. He knew who he was. And I'm saying to you this morning, there's Christ in you, and the Christ in you is the hope of glory. It's the hope of glory that the world is waiting to hear. They're waiting to hear it. Just so you understand. Hebrews chapter seven verse seven helps us explain what Jacob did, because Hebrews seven seven tells us that the lesser is blessed by the greater. <laughs> oh my God! Hebrews seven verse seven says the lesser is blessed by the greater, which means for Jacob to bless Pharaoh, as far as God is concerned, Pharaoh was less. Ooh. Pharaoh was the lesser. You don't know what you carry, that's your problem. That's our problem. And I'm praying that God will help us understand what we are carrying, that we have a conscious awareness that Jesus with all of the authority of heaven now lives in the inside of us. And lastly, you and I are the hope of God's glory to our world, whether that's on your job, on your mission field, in a marketplace, in your businesses, God's blessings are with you. One last scripture: Matthew eleven eleven. Matthew eleven eleven. Jesus said, "Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist." Old Testament. No one under the Old Testament era born among women was greater than John the Baptist. Not Abraham, not Isaac, not Jacob, not Jeremiah, not Isaiah, none of them. John the Baptist stopped them. Why? None of them saw Jesus. John had the privilege of introducing and presenting Jesus to the world. What Jesus is saying here is he's talking about proximity. Abraham was 4,000 years away from Jesus, and so on and so forth. Not Moses, not even Moses. None of them was greater than John the Baptist. They were far in the line to seeing Jesus, but it didn't end there. But he says, he or she who is the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John. Ah, but by Jesus, what are you saying? Glory to God. Why? Because even for John, there were times when they had to doubt. Uh, uh, is this the one should showing Ask for another one. He was perplexed because Jesus never decided inside of him. It was all an external influence. The least in the kingdom of God. If you are in the kingdom of God, Romans 8 says, the spirit of God is inside of you. And therefore, because the Spirit of God is inside of you, you are greater than John the Baptist. I didn't make it up. This is the Bible. So how should we respond to this? Number one, wherever you go, speak words of blessings. Speak words of blessings wherever you go. Receive the grace of God to speak a blessing wherever you are, no matter the circumstance. And secondly, pray blessings over people around you. You speak it and you pray it. You speak it and you pray it. You're constantly speaking God's words of edification that's seasoned with salt and comes with grace constantly. And then you're praying all the time wherever you are. You do that, you'll be on your way. Through you, God will bless the families of the earth. Amen? Yeah. Praise God. Alleluia. Let's end it there for today. We'll pick it up there next week, from there next week. All right. Yeah. So now, I want us to just worship. Can I have the praise team on, please? I want us to worship God now through our substance. And for those of you at home, I want you to now put on your worship garment. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18 says that we should not forget, that we should remember that it is God that has prospered us or given us the power to acquire wealth so that his covenant with the fathers may be established. One of the ways in which we participate in the service is through worship and now in particular, worship of our substance. So we're not just giving. In fact, I almost don't like that term, giving. I would rather want to say worship. We worship God through our substance, in appreciation, not obligation. Out of the heart of gratitude, Father, ah, look where I am. I was with a family last night, and one of the uh, people in that family said to me, he said, Pastor, when we came to this country, we were just two. Now God has blessed us, we are now double. That is an act of worship, that's grants for worship. God you brought me here alone. Solitarily, but now look what we've made of my life. I'm married, I have a wife, I have a husband, I have children, they are going to college out of the heart of gratitude. Father, thank you. Because apart from you, where will I be? Now we don't always worship because of what God has done, we also worship out of our need. Hannah is a good example. She wanted a child, so I don't know where you are this morning maybe you're looking for a job, you believe in God for your children, and you say, Father God, I thank you that I'm still here. I thank you for what you're doing in my life. Things are not working well, but I thank you because I trust you because I know in time, you'll perfect things that concern me. That's what Hannah did. Hannah said, God, you know, I'm believing for a child. When you honor my desire and give me this child, I'm gonna give him back to you. Worship. So we worship out of what we've received and we worship out of what we are looking to get. But all of it is done in a heart of gratitude, recognizing that God is the one that's going to do it. You cannot make it happen, it's God that does it. Now, let me say to you at Global Outreach, I want to thank God for you. You guys have been very faithful. You are consistent. We are moving the needle. We are not there yet, but the needle is moving. And I want to thank God and appreciate each and every one of you for what you've done so far. But let's now accelerate and exponentially raise and increase our worship to God through how we respond to him. This last Saturday at the food pantry, they are seeing, well, really it's been like that for the last month now. There's been an uptick in the need for food. Sister Nkoyo was there, my wife works there, uh, Willie Car, uh, Angie Ka, Eniola. Uh, Many of you guys come there, Victor was there yesterday. Many. Of, but the need is so huge because of inflation. All of a sudden, food insecurity has increased. Has increased. But it takes all of us as a village working together to help those who are among us who are in need. That's part of I'm blessing you so you can be a blessing. Amen. So we can respond. And of course, you see, Mr. Pastor Gochim here, a missions uh, missionary. Through you, God's helped us to be able to refresh them month after month after month. But because they are relocating, we need to optick and increase.